Good morning, everyone. How are you? It's good to be here with you this morning. Hey, have uh, you ever had a really, really bad day? <laughs> I mean, like a day where within a 24-hour period, everything and anything that could go wrong all happens on that one day. I know I've had days like that. And uh, recently, though, uh, I discovered a story of a man who had a day that surpasses my worst day ever. Uh, this is an actual uh, report that a bricklayer sent in to his company after a very, very rough day on the job. It says this, Respected sir, when I got to the top of the building, I found that the hurricane had knocked down some bricks off the top of the building. So I rigged up a beam and a pulley at the top of the building and hoisted up a couple of barrels of bricks. And when I'd fixed the building, there were a lot of bricks left over. And so I hoisted the barrel back up again, secured the rope at the bottom, and then went and filled the barrel with all the bricks to bricks. Then I went to the bottom and untied the rope. Well, unfortunately, the barrel of bricks was heavier than I was. And before I knew it, the barrel started down and jerked me up in the air, and I just held on for dear life. Well, halfway up, I met the barrel coming down and <laughs> received a severe blow to the shoulder. And then I continued to the top, banging my head against the beam and getting my fingers jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground, the bottom burst open and all the bricks spilled out. And I was now heavier than the barrel. And so I started downward again at high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up and received a severe injury to my shins. And when I hit the ground, I landed on the bricks, getting several painful cuts um, from the sharp edges on the bricks. And at this point, I must have lost my presence of mind because I let go of the rope. <laughs> and the barrel came down, giving me a very heavy blow to the head and putting me in the hospital. I respectfully request sick leave. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, uh, I think our post 9-11 world is a lot like that bricklayer's experience where we've been hit over and over again with tragedies after one another. You know, we've gone through an economic collapse. We've seen businesses close, and we've been faced, many of us, with joblessness. And then even in the recent news in the last just six months, we've seen tragedies like the Sandy Hook Elementary sh uh, School shooting. And we saw the Boston Marathon bombing, the fertilizer plant explosion in Texas, and even the tornadoes in Oklahoma. And then we add to that our own struggles that we have with finances and with health and oftentimes with relationships, and it can get incredibly overwhelming. And at times like this when we're bombarded with all of these things, when life gets tough, we often tend to look down in discouragement or we look around and we try in desperation to save ourselves. And as we face life's difficulties, it's like there's this magnetic uh, reaction within ourselves where we try to help ourselves and get ourselves out of trouble. Like it's all up to us and we've got to solve our own problems. But if we're really painfully honest, we have to admit that we can't handle it on our own. At some point, we have to be able to stop looking around, stop trying to control all of our circumstances, stop trying to play God, and instead... We should lift our eyes up to the Lord and trust in His power, in His provision, and His plan. 
We need to take our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances so that we can remind ourselves of who God is and also remind ourselves of what God can do. Our theme verse for our series is from Psalm 123, 1, and it says this, I lift my eyes up to you, O Lord, enthroned on the heavens. And our series Lift is all about changing our perspective, lifting our eyes, our hopes, our dreams, lifting them up to God who's our everything. Today we're going to look at Psalm 121. And so let's get started. Psalm 121, 1 through 8 says this, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Instead, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. And so, in this passage we can see that when I lift my eyes to the Lord, the first thing is that I can see that He is my helper. God is my helper. He's there to help me when I need Him. The God who created all things is with me. And we see this in the very first two verses that we just read. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. So a little bit of background about Psalm 121 is that Psalm 121 is part of a collection of psalms that are called the Psalms of Ascent. As a matter of fact, if you look at the heading right above where it says Psalm 121, you'll see it says Psalms of Ascent. And there was this collection, Psalm 120 through 134, which were basically, these were psalms that were sung by the Israelites as they were on a pilgrimage to head back to the holy city of Jerusalem for three different times during the year for Passover and for Pentecost and for Tabernacles, those three times. And the songs were meant to encourage these pilgrims as they were on their journey, and they were also meant to prepare their hearts for encounter with a living God. And each one of these Psalms of Ascent were sung at different parts along the journey. The first one, 120, was, was sung at the very beginning of the journey, and it talks about just the, the trial of being in a foreign land and a longing to be in God's presence for worship. And then this one, 121, was actually sung on the eve of entering into the city. And as they're looking off in the distance, they're seeing the mountains of Jerusalem. And the psalm itself tells of the dangers of this journey and also of the help that God provides along the way. There's a little picture of some of the hills around Jerusalem. You can kind of see the pathway. And, and, and the mountains themselves are actually very beautiful from a distance. But they were anything but safe. As a matter of fact, they were incredibly treacherous. At certain port, parts of the, of the journey, um, the, the path was, was narrow and, and either man or beast could fall. At the same time, there were also places where uh, wild animals or thieves were just waiting and hiding out to be able uh, to pass uh, or to, to pounce on and attack travelers as they passed through. Uh, many of the ancient religions uh, were practiced on hilltops. And so in these mountains, uh, there were shrines for Baal. There were groves of trees that were uh, planted for Asherah. 
the uh, sacrificial spots were made for the sun gods and all kinds of people would come to these places seeking incantations and spells and enchantments. They were dangerous and, and luminous things. And so facing such ominous obstacles, the people naturally would turn their eyes upward to God for help. And so we see in these first two verses, as we enter into the, the dangers and the uncertainties of life, that there isn't a location anywhere. These verses remind us that God is everywhere. There is no location where God is not present. That our help doesn't come from self-help. Our help doesn't come from false religion, but our help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and earth, and He's there for us in our time of need. And so when we're overwhelmed with life and worried and spent, God is there to help us. And I think a great illustration of this is the prophet uh, Elijah. Elijah was a prophet sent by God to speak to the people. And in the passage I want to point us to, uh, he's just been in this confrontation with the prophets of Baal. And there's this great confrontation. And God shows up with this great pillar of fire and consumes a sacrifice in great power and a display of his might. And Elijah walks away from this encounter, this very intense encounter, tired and weary and a little discouraged. And then he finds out that the evil woman Jezebel has put a hit on his life and she's committed to having him killed. And at this point, Elijah is trembling in fear. And we go to 1 Kings 19, verses 3 to 5. It says, Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day, and he sat under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors (coughs) who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Elijah's empty. He's spent. He's an emotional wreck. And he's even to the point of wanting to end his own life. And he collapses under this tree. And God allows him to rest for a little bit. And then he sends this angel to wake him up and give him food and nourishment to take care of him, even simple things. And if you go later in the passage, it's interesting that God actually speaks to Elijah, speaks to him of encouragement and of his presence whispers to him in his time of need. There's a great clip from the movie Courageous that's also a great reminder that God is a very present help in our time of need. Let's take a look. Yes, sir. I I can be there today. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll be there as soon as I can. Goodbye. Who are you talking to? I got the job, but I need to leave right now. They're building a new office on Westover, and they need more men. Thank God, Javi. The rent is due on Friday, and I tell you to take the car, but the tank is on empty. I don't mind walking when I have good news. God, I told you, God would give me a job. I'd give you a big kiss on the mouth, but your breath is very bad this morning. I love you, too. I... We have that rock pile moved over there. You understand? All right, well, we're waiting on it. Let's go. 
Sir, are you Richard? Yeah. And my name's Javier Martinez. I was told to come see you for work. Oh, man, I, I just hired the last three guys I need. Sorry, man, we're good to go here. Well, I can do most anything, sir. I can do woodwork, brickwork, uh, even drywall. Listen, man, I said I got what I need, all right? Unless someone quits, I don't need you. tratando de hacer todo lo posible para proveer lo necesario para mi familia. Y he necesitado tu ayuda. Pero no me ayudas. Yo les he dicho a mi familia que tú nos ibas a ayudar. Que ibas a proveer. ¿Qué les digo? Que vamos a perder la casa. ¿Qué tú quieres que yo haga? Late, he's just standing in the middle of the alley. You don't know him. You need his help, so you better start off on the right foot. All right. Javier, right? Yes. Adam Mitchell. I didn't mean to yell at you. I should have come out and talked to you. This is my wife, Victoria. Hey, Javier. Nice to meet you. Let me go get you a water. Got the plans for the shed right here. My old one's falling apart. Uh, you didn't bring any tools? No. All right, we'll just have to share. Um... I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you got a work permit? Yes, I do. Good. Let me show you what we're doing. You gave her blue eyes and blonde wavy hair. You gave her a cute but devilish grin. Javi, is that you? It's me. Poppy, Poppy. Hey, ¿cómo están mis niños preciosos? ¿Se portaron bien? Yes, read a story, read a story. Okay, Isabel, let daddy get cleaned up and eat. Come, I got a special story come. for you today. Come, and you too, buddy. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Off to bed, off to bed, and let daddy eat. So, how did it go today? Terrible. Then wonderful. What is that supposed to mean? Well, I went to that job this morning, mm -hmm. and they said they didn't need me. So where have you been all day? Well, that's the thing. I was walking home asking God what it is he wanted me to do, when out of nowhere this guy comes out of his house and starts calling me by name. Then he asked me to go help him build a shed. Look! You made $150 today? Yes. How did he know you? I have no idea. Why didn't you ask him? I was scared. Are you going back tomorrow? Eight o'clock. Carmen, a few times have I ever felt that God was helping my faith. But today was one of them. It felt so good to work hard. 
Javi, I know God loves you. He listens to you because you honor him. And all I want to do right now is to hug you and kiss you. But you smell so bad. I can't bring myself to do it. Give me 15 minutes. <laughs> I'll heat up your dinner, mi amor. Isn't that great? So I love that part where he receives that bad news and you could just see his countenance go down and then he lifts up his eyes and God answers. He sees, he's attentive, he is there and God helps him in his time of need. As he lifts his eyes, God loves us that much. He's a great present help for us when we need him. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 remind us of this. It says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. You know, if God can make this world, then certainly he has the power to care for you and me. Our second point in our outline there is that when I lift my eyes to the Lord, I see that he is my keeper. God is my keeper. He's my perspective, my comfort and my assurance. We see this in verses 3 and 4. It says, He will not let you stumble, and the one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. You ever had one of those nights? This is common for me, actually, where you just have so many things going on in your head, you just can't sleep. <laughs> you know, a million things racing through your head, you're just looking through uh, up at the ceiling. You know, it's kind of like um, we used to have hamsters in our home. <laughs> Why people have hamsters, I have no idea. Because they just come alive at night and they're just on the wheel going, blah, 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 blah. that's my mind sometimes, where it's just going crazy and I can't settle it down. Overwhelming. And I think at times when we go through that, we get to the point where our mind is just tired and weary. And it's at those times when we're, we're susceptible to stumbling into poor decisions or maybe even more susceptible to temptation. See, in the, the rocky mountains surrounding the hills of Israel, a single slip could cause a fatal injury, a fatal downfall. But God, it says, does not allow our foot to slip. That, the idea here is that God will enable us to stand firm. And I love that because you know, as we long for sleep sometimes in the midst of anxious times, it's good reassurance to know that God is awake at all times. He is awake. He's watching over us. And we can turn all those difficulties and problems that are rattling through our head, give them over to Him. And He's never exhausted. He's never weary. He's never inattentive. And that He chooses to keep His eyes on us, to watch over us. One of my uh, favorite examples of this is the woman Hagar. Now, Hagar was the servant of Abraham and Sarah. And God had come to Abraham and he told him that he was going to form through his descendants, his descendants would be as many as the stars, and that they would bring hope to the world. So Abraham clung to that promise, and Abraham and Sarah were ready for that to happen, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and it just didn't seem to happen. And so Abraham formed his own plan, and he took his servant Hagar, and he slept with her. And they had a child, Ishmael, 
who was going to be the promised one that God gave them. But God had another plan. And eventually, Abraham and Sarah were able to actually conceive their own child, and Isaac was born. And then suddenly there was this tension between these two families, and it became jealousy and strife, competition and envy. And Isaac became the child of promise, and Hagar and Ishmael were actually cast out, wandering alone, rejected, and sent into the wilderness. And so we turn in the story to Genesis 21, verses 15 to 19, and it says this. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush, and then she went sat down by herself about 100 yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. And then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water, and she quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. One of the things that I really love about this story is that God's plan all along was to send this descendant through Abraham and Sarah. And so this boy Ishmael is born. But yet when he's cast out and rejected, God hears the cries of Hagar and this boy. He takes notice and he steps in to provide and keep them in his care. Do you believe that God sees everything? (laughs) Do you believe that God knows everything, that He's everywhere, and that all things are in His control? Then you can trust that God can keep whatever it is that keeps you up at night, that you can put those in His hands, and He will keep them and keep you safe. Psalm 34, 17 and 18 reminds us of this. It says, the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And because God's mind is on us, we can put our mind at ease. The third point here on our outline is that when I lift my eyes to the Lord, I could see that He is my protector, my protector. God is my, my guard, my fortress. And this comes from verse 5 and 6. The Lord Himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. Now, the word watch here, it's interesting. In the original language, it's the same word that would be used, a verb that we use for a military guard or a sentinel that stands right by as a bodyguard to watch someone and keep them safe. Also as well, it says that the Lord stands beside you. And in, literally in the original language, it says that He stands at your right hand, that God is right by your side. Where a bodyguard would stand, it's where the one you need most would be in your greatest need, right by your side. God's protection is all comprehensive over the elements as you can imagine in those hills, that dried, arid land, you know, the, the effects of sunstroke are very real. 
and that God would protect them from that. God as well would protect from the moon. At the, at the time, the, uh, their belief was if you stared too long at the moon, you'd go loony. <laughs> I mean, literally, the word lunatic came from the word of just you being moonstruck. You know, <laughs> you just kind of go mad. <laughs> it's a great example, actually, uh, more than anything. It, it, this is meant to define the scope of God's protective care. That it continues both day and night, at all times. The way that the Hebrews um, expressed the idea of totality was by giving these opposite, day and night, sun and moon, and everything in between. It was their way of saying that God protects us with total comprehensive care. One of the things that reminds me of God's protection and care is the story of Joshua. God's people were led out of Egypt by a man named Moses, a great great man, a great leader. Moses is the one who sent them through the Red Sea. Moses was the one that marched them to the promised land, that received the law of God. And as they got on the very edge of the promised land, the people got a report back from the spies that there were giants there, you know, that the people were warriors and they were afraid. They were overcome with fear and worry. And at that point, it says that they rejected God's promised land. They rejected God's leadership. They rejected Moses' leadership. And Joshua was a firsthand witness to all of this. Can you imagine? He's seeing all of this before him. And so the people come back from this wandering. They're sent out for 40 more years in the wilderness. And they're on the edge of the promised land. And they're getting ready to go in. And if you can imagine the moment when Moses turns to Joshua and says, I'm not going in with the people. God has told me that you are the one that will lead them. I can just imagine what that moment was like. And so we read this. In the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8, says, Moses called for Joshua. And as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that God swore to their ancestors that he would give them. You're the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Can you imagine how intimidating it would be to follow a leader like Moses? I just can't imagine what that would be like. The responsibility of a million men, women, and children. As you march into this land where there are warriors ready to destroy you. But God assures them. He assures Joshua, be strong, be courageous. So Pastor John mentioned to me a great illustration that I want to demonstrate to you. It's the idea that if you take a broom and you put it in your hand, and if you focus on the bottom, it's really next to impossible to be able to keep the broom upright. Didn't know you were going to get a Cirque du Soleil trick this morning, did you? (laughs) But if you focus on the top, if you look upward... And you're able to balance. Oh, yeah, there we go. (laughs) And the principle is the same. That many times we're overwhelmed with our circumstances and we can't think of a way out. We're consumed. We're trying to balance our life. But when we look up and give those to God, the God who is our protector, that all things then become into focus and they align themselves because God is there with us. God is always on the job. Moses wrote 
this great acclamation for God's care and protection of his life in Exodus 15. It says this, The Lord is my strength and my song. He's given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. <laughs> the one who upholds the universe, he will not let us down. And the fourth and last point in our outline is when I lift my eyes to the Lord, I see that he is my preserver, my preserver. He preserves my life both now and forever. We can see this in verse seven and eight. It says, the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and as you go both now and forever. So we're assured of, of God's that he keeps us from harm, that he watches over our life as we come into our private life, as we go out into our public life. But not only that, from the moment that we're born and we draw our first breath to the very last moment when our last breath is drawn, he's with us now and then and forever. Now, of course, I know that this doesn't mean that we're not going to encounter trial and tribulation in our life. We know that God allows these at times in order to refine us, strengthen our faith, build our character, but we will never be abandoned. We will never be forsaken. We will always be under the power of His mighty hand and under His watchful, caring eye. We will remain preserved in His care. And the last example I'd like to use is that of Stephen. His story is found in the book of Acts. We know that after Jesus is resurrected from the dead, his followers, his disciples are given this commission to share the good news, and they're just on fire. They can't believe this has happened. God's power has been displayed like at no other time, and they're sharing the good news, and they're going out and telling people everywhere, and there are many that are doing everything they can to quench this fire of this new faith that started. And Stephen is preaching the gospel of Christ, that salvation comes through Jesus. And these men from a town rush at Stephen. And in a rage, they pick up stones to kill him, to end his life. And at that very moment, we see in Acts 7, 55 and 56, it says, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. And he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but many times in the Bible it talks about Jesus sitting after he went to the cross, sitting at the right hand of God. It's a symbol of his finished work that he's conquered sin, that he's conquered death, and he sits at the hand of the Father. It is finished. But in this passage, it says that Stephen looks up in his very last moments, gazes up at the Lord. God opens his spiritual eyes, and he sees Jesus standing. And I don't know if in that moment Jesus is standing in solidarity I don't know if Jesus is standing there encouragement, but I can just imagine Stephen gazing into the eyes of his Lord as he draws his very last 
breath. And that's where we need to fix our eyes, to lift our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, our wills are more likely to be surrendered to Him, and our feet are more likely to follow Him. There's a great passage that closes the book of Jude, and it says this about God preserving us both now and forever. Now all glory to God, who's able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into His glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory and majesty and power and authority are His before all time and in the present and beyond all time. And so if you're fearful and overwhelmed, lift up your eyes and your Savior says to you, I am with you. And if you're rejected, insecure, lift up your eyes. And Jesus says to you, come to me and I will give you rest. And if you're lost, lift up your eyes. And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. We lift up our eyes each morning. And just as David said, O Lord, in the morning, why lift up my prayers, lift up my eyes to you? Where does my help come from? It comes from the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. God, we stand in wonder as who you are, our deliverer, our redeemer. God, lift our spirits. I lift my eyes up up to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from you maker of heaven creator of the earth god you are the creator of all things you are all powerful lord god build our faith so they'd be as large as you are, that we could trust you in all circumstances at all times. We surrender our lives to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.